This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, may the words that come from my mouth be inspired by your Holy Spirit. I pray this in your name. Amen. Would you please be seated? Well, if you uh, missed the references uh, in our opening liturgy um, at the beginning of the service, you might have noticed our brand new banner that's been um, displayed for the first time this year um, to my left um, and might surmise that the theme for the second Sunday in Advent is peace. Did anybody work that out? Good, good, excellent. Very good Anglicans. My normal pattern when I'm preaching is uh, that through the week I'll do reading and thinking and praying and I won't actually start putting pen to paper or finger to keyboard until the day before I'm due to preach. Um, And it's somewhat ironic that when I sat down yesterday morning to start constructing this message, um, which is continuing our series on bringing generosity to light, but has a particular focus on peace, uh, that I was generously gifted with a soundtrack to my sermon preparation by my two nieces. Uh, The youngest one, Hannah, um, is a budding saxophonist, and so she picked up a toy saxophone and started playing that, and her uh, oldest sister, Isabella, uh, picked up a tambourine and started accompanying her which was great. Uh, The irony continued uh, when I arrived home uh, from a great lunch with Bishop John uh, with all the clergy of the Gold Coast in Brisbane. I arrived home to finish off my sermon to be greeted with the generous surprise that our next-door neighbours had decided to throw a party in their backyard. And we love it when that happens. Um, We get to share in the joyful noise until they decide to call it a night, which can often be at 2am in the morning. The idea of peace has been something that has been very present in my mind for the last 24 hours. And I've been trying to be generous as well. I complimented my nieces on their beautiful playing. And I agreed wholeheartedly when I heard that Leanne had suggested that they could take the saxophone back home with them to Toowoomba. (laughs) And I was really generous to our neighbours when I looked at the clock as I was trying to fall asleep at 12.17am and they were still going strong and I decided not to call the police. (laughs) Over the past few weeks... We've been exploring this idea of generosity and how, as followers of Jesus, we are held to account by our call to seek first the kingdom of God and how our behaviour should respond and change as a result, as opposed to seeking first our own kingdoms. Last week, we explored how looking at something through self-focused lenses can lead to a superficial and a temporal kind of hope. But when we look through a kingdom-focused lens, it can lead to a generous hope. And you can find a similar thing when you look at peace. Much of the peace that we long for, that we imagine about or dream of, 
if we're really, truly honest, hasn't got anything to do with anyone other than ourselves. Peace for one person can come at the expense of peace for another. Peace is a contradiction. If you look throughout history, when people want peace, what do they do? They go to war. If I wanted some peace and quiet last night, I had to risk conflict. And that type of peace never seems to last that long. We often associate the 1960s with peace. Um, There was a famous uh, proponent of uh, hippie culture, Dr Timothy Leary, in 1966 popularised the phrase turn on, tune in and drop out. In 1983, when he wrote his biography, he tried to clarify what he meant by that. Turning on was about opening your mind uh, and your subconscious, normally with a bit of chemical assistance. (laughs) Tuning in was to understand your place and your connection in the world. And dropping out was about becoming self-reliant. He was uh, somewhat upset that his phrase had been interpreted as getting stoned and abandoning all constructive activity. But when you actually look at what he really meant, it's still quite self-focused. We sometimes think that keeping the peace means no intervention at all. That if we just bide our time, this too shall pass. And we'll be stronger for the experience even if what we're experiencing is injustice. But uh, this too shall pass mentality in the midst of injustice is not the mindset of the kingdom of God. The church's liturgical calendar and, and the church's tradition runs us headlong into this contradiction about peace every year at this time. If we're following um, our little guide of what readings we should be having every Sunday, like all good Anglican priests, that I sometimes am, um, we find that every time we get to the second Sunday of Advent, we should be having a gospel reading like this morning on John the Baptist. don't know about you, but when I look at John the Baptist, peace is not the first thing that comes to my mind. Luke, in putting together his orderly account, creates contrast immediately by naming the important and influential people of his time. Emperor Tiberius, Pontius Pilate, Herod and his brother Philip, Lysanias, Annas and Caiaphas. And he contrasts them with this weird guy who lived in the wilderness. Who wore rustic clothes made of camel's hair. And popularised an early form of the paleo diet with locusts and wild honey. The fact that we find John in the wilderness shouldn't really be a surprise, uh, particularly if... We know our Old Testament. The significance of the wilderness 
is part of Jewish tradition. And in the Old Testament, we see many examples of the Old Testament being, on the one hand, a place of desolation and scarcity, but on the other hand, it's a place of safety, of connection and of God's divine provision. And Luke, uh, right at the beginning of, of his, his gospel, reminds us of, of a sometimes an overlooked feature of, of, of John the Baptist. He says, John grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day he appeared publicly to Israel. See, he just didn't decide, okay, one day I'm going to start my career as as a rebel raiser and a troublemaker, and I'm going to go out into the desert. Luke is suggesting that this is where John grew spiritually and strengthened and found his purpose and direction. He wasn't a man of learning, of station, of influence. He was this strange, weird outsider But to him, the word of God came. And this simple detail in and of itself can actually bring us peace. It's not too hard to actually look at the world around us and see it as a wilderness. Scarcity, isolation, hunger and violence and conflict. The pain and the injustice of the world that we live in can make us wonder whether God is at work at all. But Luke suggests that in this wilderness is precisely when we understand who God is and what God calls us to, and we see God providing our needs so that we too, like John the Baptist, can be a voice crying out in this wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. But notice the type of peace that we're invited into. It's not the type of peace that I've just explained with war, with 60s culture, or just letting everything pass by. It's active, it's God-focused, and it's justice-focused. Generous peace isn't escaping the hard things or the hard places. Rather, generous peace is embracing them. This time last year, if you were here on the second Sunday of Advent, I'm sure your memories stretch back that far, I preached on the Hebrew word shalom, which um, is their word for peace. But the meaning of shalom is very close to our understanding of the concept of justice. When justice is done, it was seen by the Jewish people as God's gift to God's people. And the understanding was that shalom came when the people lived faithfully under God's covenant. So when a Jewish person was to greet you with the word shalom, they're calling each other to righteous living and acts of justice. They're wishing this person peace as they greet them, but 
a peace that results from righteous and just action. They're seeing the person in front of them as God calls them to be and not as the world sees them. Shalom is God-focused, not self-focused. It's generous peace. John preached righteousness and just action, and in the end, it cost him his head. Pursuing generous peace can be a costly exercise, and it can leave us feeling like our heads are in precarious positions. But when we seek to live in a right relationship with Christ and we seek justice for others, then we are generous with peace. Even though we might feel personally unsettled, it can in the long run bring us peace. I'm sure you've heard the expression, to sleep the sleep of the righteous. There can be that feeling when you are at ease with what you've done, when you know that you've done something right for someone else. This is generous peace. John the Baptist did have harsh words of judgment, but they stood alongside words of extreme compassion and mercy. He said, You brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come. He said, Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. But he also said, Whoever has two coats must share with another, anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. He said to tax collectors, Collect no more than the amount prescribed to you. And not to extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations, but to be satisfied with your wages. His clear message was to repent, but a clearer message was that you will be forgiven. Paul's prayer to the Philippians, that your love may overflow more and more with the knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, can equally be our prayer as we pursue peace. We tend to see what is best in terms of our own self-interests, in our efforts to resolve conflict and be one mind, we can deliberately or inadvertently silence those whose views are different to ours. With the result that conflict is simply suppressed rather than resolved. And that's not peace. Generous peace is grounded in acts of love that bring reconciliation and prioritise relationships. The verb uh, determine in this passage, when you're looking at it in an English um, definition, it might seem like we're choosing a right way over a wrong way, a single right course of action. But the Greek translation of this word suggests that it's a dynamic process that involves scrutiny, testing and discernment. It takes time to become knowledgeable. It takes less time to become opinionated. It takes time 
to sit and ask questions and listen for answers. It takes time to understand this is generous peace that invests in the people around us. Generous peace is not a static or passive emotion, but peace that comes from active love is a direct function in the way that we serve one another. And I've seen over and over and over again countless examples of people who are going through a really tough time finding a sense of peace when they put themselves in relationship with others who are in need and serve. It's not the reason that we do it, but it can bring us a sense of generous peace. On Sunday mornings, um, particularly as soon as I wake up, um, uh, I, I do um, check the, the liturgy to make sure it's all in the, in the, in the right order and, and make sure my sermon's ready to go. But then I go on to the internet and check the news to see what's happened overnight. And particularly in the world in which we live, something dramatic can and does happen um, overnight. Uh, so I, I want to know if there's something that I should be thinking about or praying for uh, through the Sunday services. Um, but I came across this morning um, a really great example of what generous peace was, um, and I felt like I had to include it in um, today's message. Um, this is a picture of a, a mum and one of her two daughters, and uh, she was flying from Orlando to Philadelphia, I think, and uh, this uh, daughter was getting special treatment for a, a medical condition, a, quite a serious medical con condition that she had. And so you can see, a, you might be able to see around her nose um, is a, a tube for an oxygen tank. Um, as uh, this mum took her place in um, economy uh, by the window and nestled in for the flight ahead, uh, the flight attendant approached her and said, there was a gentleman in seat 2D in first class that was insisting that she take his seat for the flight. She didn't get to meet him. Um, she didn't get to say thank you. He wasn't rewarded for his action. She's posted it on social media and it's gone viral. But this is generous peace. I'm sure this gentleman who's used to flying first class didn't enjoy economy. <laughs> I'm not used to flying first class and I don't enjoy economy. <laughs> but he made himself uncomfortable to bring another who he didn't know, peace. At the end of the second year of the presidency of Donald Trump, when Scott Morrison was Prime Minister of Australia and Anastasia Palaszczuk was Premier of Queensland and Tom Tate was Mayor of the Gold Coast, and Herman Vorster was councillor of Division 11. During the episcopacy of Archbishop Philip Aspinall and the incumbency of the Reverend Stuart Perry, the word of God has come to the people of the Anglican Church in Rabina in the wilderness. Will you be the voice of one crying in this wilderness, pursuing generous peace? to the point of self-denial and vulnerability? Or will we just pursue the easier, more superficial type of peace 
that we sing about and we put on Christmas cards at this time of year. I wonder if, as followers of Christ, are we the ones called to sleep in heavenly peace? Or are we called to sleep the sleep of the righteous? One thing I know for certain is that we're just not meant to sit here. We're called to actively pursue peace that brings justice and shows mercy and is powered by an overflow of love. And if we seek first the kingdom of God, this is the direction the Holy Spirit is going to take you. I pray that we can put aside our own desire for personal comfort in preference for this type of generous peace. Loving God, we hear peace bandied about like a commodity at this time of year, that somehow we could do something or say something that would just bring us peace of mind and peace of comfort. But you define peace differently. Peace that unsettles us for the benefit of another and for your kingdom. Help us to bravely pursue this type of peace in your name. Amen. And we continue now.